you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. I'm going to start off by kind of reviewing uh, real briefly the past couple of weeks. We're on week number three of Better Together. So we're talking about uh, this thing that the Lord did when, when Jesus rose from the dead. He began the church and who we're supposed to be as the church, how we join together and how much we need each other. We said from the very beginning that we fight against this independent mindset and this spirit of independence. You know, we, we, if, if, it's, if it's to be, it's up to me, Right. I can do this. I got this. And so uh, the Lord says we need each other. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Romans 12, 5. And this is the living Bible. It says this. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we, have, uh, we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each other needs all the others. Each one of us need all the others. So when it goes, it goes right in line with what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He says, how can, this, how can the, the ear say to the foot, or the finger say to the knee, one part of the body say to another part of the body, I don't need you. And so if, if Paul is, is saying that, we need each other. Who are we to say that we don't need each other? There is this independent mindset that we struggle against constantly, that we don't need anybody. It's just me and Jesus, and we've got this thing. Because if I've got Jesus, then that's all I need. But really, in the body of Christ, when we see how God designed us to fit together, he fitly joins us together, and he gives us different functions within the body, and we do different things in the body, but the bottom line is we need each other. And then week two, well, the week, week one, the, the theme was, I need you, and you need me, and we need God. So it's not codependency. I need you, I need you, I need you, and without you, I'm not complete. No, I need you, you need me, and we both need God. The second week, we said, when I grow, we grow, and when we grow, I grow. That was last week. And the scripture that we looked at was Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, under his direction, the whole body is fitly joined together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so we said, if we're growing, we're going to be in connection with one another because I can't grow without you. When I grow, we grow, and when we grow, I grow. So, yes, I depend upon God for my growth, but you help me to grow. And guess what? I help you to grow because we're parts of the body. And as we grow, we grow together. Could you imagine a, a, a child that's growing and his, his arm, for, for two years, his arm grows and the rest of his body doesn't grow. And then the next two years, his left leg grows. And I mean, that's deformity, right? 
God creates us together, uh, puts us together so that we can all grow together. And so when we come together and we grow together, we are talking about our small group ministry, of course, because we, on Sunday morning, guys, we're just here for a short time and then we're out the door. But we have to look for ways to do life together. And we have life groups that, that we get together outside of Sunday morning and we share life. And it, it doesn't just end there either. There's mentoring relationships that go on even outside of those life groups where people get together and they, they talk about the word and they pray together and they get a coffee together and, and they enjoy time together, iron sharpening iron and growing together. This week we're going to talk about power. You know, isn't it interesting that the world is, gravitates toward power? We rate this hurricane in you know, category five and it's, you know, it's powerful and this is what it's going to do and... Uh, you know, the movies that are made now, the, all of the, the superhero movies, who has more power and how much power do they have and who can take down this one and that one and the other. Power, the world wants power and we see that God gave power to the church. And when we're in unity, there's power released when we come together as believers and we're focused on God, there is power released. Amen. There was power this morning to heal. There was power to heal. And, 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 you know, there's sometimes where the Lord specifically says somebody is dealing with uh, maybe a shoulder issue. And maybe you're, you're dealing with a, you know, a shoulder dislocated and you need to come and we'll lay hands on you because the Bible talks about that. And we will pray for your healing. There are other times where we're just together in the presence of the Lord and the healing power of God is available for you to take. It's there. Do you believe that? Do you, do you understand that, that, that there is a, a spiritual world behind this physical world and that the power of God is spiritual in nature and, and you don't see it with your eyes? But it's there. Whenever Jesus is lifted up, he said, if you come together in my name... Where, where's he, where's he going to be? Right in the midst. And wherever Jesus was, there was power. Notice the little lady that followed him that had the issue of blood and no doctor could help her. But she understood that there was power in Jesus. That's why she went and followed closely and slipped up inside the, the crowd to touch Jesus. Because there was power. She was aware of it. He was aware of it. And that power was there to heal her. And so God wants us to be uh, partakers, to, to, to take hold of his power. It's not, the power is not just for him. The power he releases is for us. And he, when we come together, life is better together because we're in unity, because there's power available. That's how the church started. And so I was thinking the other day about Jesus and how he really started the first small group. He, he invited people into relationship with him. This is, this is a big thought, so we're going to go a little deep here pretty quick. Why would Jesus need to invite others into relationship with him when his mission was to come to the earth and give his life for our salvation. 
His mission was to come and give his life and become the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. So why would Jesus need to have a team? I believe it's because he knows that connection with his team would build the church so that the church could fulfill and finish the work that he began on the earth. Think about the scriptures that that we know probably the most of any, especially John 3.16. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It's going off in your mind, right? You can probably repeat it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish or should not perish but have everlasting life. And then we stop there. But verse 17 says, For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. Right? But that through him the world might be saved. So it's not Jesus' job to condemn the world. So he had to invite others into fellowship with him. He didn't come to this earth and and was born of a virgin to hide out in a little shack so that no one could come in contact with him until it was time for him to be nailed to the cross and then lifted up and, and die and his blood to be spilled and buried in the tomb. No, Jesus had relation when he was on this earth. He had relation and he called a team in, into fellowship with him. That's why life is better together. God created us for connection. And when we're cut off from people uh, it, it does something to us, right? It's good to have friends, but to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly. And so Jesus, <laughs> he gathered some friends. And it, it may, the team that Jesus assembled may have not been the team that you would have picked. But he prayed about it. Think about the ones that he did pick. Tax collector. He picked... Uh, a, a doubting man named Thomas, doubting all the time, doubting. How about Judas Iscariot, one who regularly stole from the treasury? Jesus never kicked Judas Iscariot off the team either. He wanted connection to these men so that he could show them how to live for the Father. So Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to this earth to be served. And so if he came with one part of his mission to serve, he had to connect with people. Anybody in here ever served at a restaurant? Used to, we used to be called waiters. There's waiters, waitresses, and the, those terms went away, and now they're servers. And so when you're there, you're on the clock and you're working for someone. Your eyes are looking to see who needs help. And you're looking for a hand or you're looking, you're looking not to go and to sit down in the back and people bringing you stuff, people bringing you money for your bank account. No, you're busy, you're, you're busy looking after someone else. You're serving and, and you, have to, you have to connect with them. Servers go to the table and they connect. Hi, 
my name's Bruce. I'm here to serve you today. I hope that this is the best meal that you've ever eaten in your life. Wow. What a shocker. Right? The experience. And so Jesus wanted his team to experience the life that he had in him. And so he connected, he connected with them to, in order to do life with them. And he knew that his connection with his team would, would be the bridge for them to believe and decide to give their lives to the Father. So how important was it that Jesus connect with them and allow them to see him living out this life of God? He wasn't just uh, in, interested in teaching them principles from a distance. No, the word of God in John 1.14, this is the message version, John 1.14, the word says that the word became flesh and blood. And I like how the message says it. And he moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. <laughs> Jesus displayed the father's heart by his actions. And so God wanted Jesus to be seen by us. And I'm glad that he assembled the team because there were witnesses, undeniable witnesses of the life that Jesus lived. In fact, they wrote, they wrote a lot of it down. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the synoptic, or, or the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and then you have John. But at the end of all that writing, it said, we couldn't possibly write down everything that Jesus said and did. The volumes... Uh, would, would not be able to contain everything that Jesus said and did. But there were witnesses to see what Jesus did. And he wanted to show them how to live out the life of God. That's why he connected. This connection is so important, guys, because the power of God runs through the connection. I mean, think about uh, everything that we have up here. It, something is connected to something else, and if it wasn't connected wouldn't have any power, right? There's a power strip here, and if I wanted to connect something to it in order to operate this piece of equipment, machinery, or whatever, I would have to plug it in. It, it has the capabilities, but it needs the power. And so it's just like God knowing us as the church. We need that power. We need to be connected, and we need to connect to one another. First Peter 2.21 says... That to this we were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. You know, we think of Christ's suffering and how hard it was and how, how it must have been. But had it not been for his suffering, we would never experience the power of God and the connection that we have to God. Isn't that true? And so we're supposed to follow in his steps. We're supposed to, in a sense, assemble a team and let our light shine and live our life before people because they are reading us. We, the Bible says that we are a, 
a, a book, a manuscript written before men. What are they looking for? They're looking for us to be as good as God. And the only way that we can be halfway as good as God is because the power of God's in us. He's empowered us in unity so that we can live that life. And so Jesus' team needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he prepared them. He talked to them over and over about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity and why they needed the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit would do. And you can read all, all about that in John. But I, and I'm going to pick up a couple of pieces there. But Jesus instructed them to go and stay in Jerusalem and meet together until they be clothed or empowered with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, 49, it says this. The New King James Version, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. The word tarry there means to remain. Stay there. Hang out together in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The New International Version says, I'm going, I'm going to send you what, what my Father promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so they received something that they didn't have before. They had never been empowered or clothed with the Holy Spirit power before. And so they, their, their assignment was to go and wait and receive. Go and wait and receive. And Jesus promised that they would be filled with power. And they weren't supposed to do anything before they received that power. Except go and wait and receive. And so in Acts 2, actually Acts 1, but in Acts 2, Acts 1, Jesus is telling them to go and wait, receive power. And Acts 2, look in Acts 2, verse 1, says, when they were together, the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They weren't hanging out, playing dominoes and checkers and they weren't having chips and dip they weren't watching a movie they were koinonian they were they were fellowshipping this word fellowship in acts 242 you run into it again the word fellowship in the greek koinonia means to share together to to it's, it's, it's very deep. It's not just uh, to meet and greet, but it, it's, it's to do life together. And they were there remaining together, like Jesus said. He could have said, you know, everybody set your watch because at this time, next Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m., doesn't matter where you are, the Holy Spirit's going to come on the earth and those who are looking for the Holy Spirit are going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He could have said that, but he didn't. He said, go and wait. And Bible scholars believe that it was about 10 days from the time that they began to wait until the day came when the power came on the church. So they were in Acts chapter 2, or they were there in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 2, it says that 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about wind, we talk about fire, we talk about the tongues of fire, we talk about people speaking with other tongues, those are just indications of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is a person. He existed in the Trinity before time began. He's going to exist for all of eternity. But in this slice of time that the church is on the, on the earth, the Holy Spirit is given to us as we come together to manifest the power of God. We see this all the way through the book of Acts. So this is a benefit of, of life being better together, guys. When we come together as believers, we can expect the Holy Spirit power to clothe us. This is how God designed this. This is is what Jesus was talking about when he told his disciples, when he told his team. There's three things they needed to focus on him. To be able to receive this power, they needed to focus on Jesus. The way they focused on Jesus was they were obedient to do what he said. They're, they're meeting together, and you can imagine the conversation. Well, we're doing exactly what he told us to do. We're here. We're hanging out. So here we are. We're focusing on him. Then I'm sure one of them said, well, what did, remind me the promise that he made to us. So they focused on him, but they focused also on the promise that he made, which was his word. He told them. He told them that he would send the Holy Spirit when he rose from the dead. He said, my father will send the Holy Spirit. And, you know, they were kind of down. They were missing their leader. You know, they, they were wondering. Thomas even said, well, I'm not going to believe that he's alive unless he comes and shows me the, the side and his hands. And I'm just, I'm just a little skeptical here, guys. But as they gathered together and focused on him and focused on his promise, which was his word, then they, I believe they did something else. They asked in faith. Because here's some quotes from Jesus. Luke 11, 13. Jesus spoke this to his disciples before they were ever in the upper room in Jerusalem. He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? They had to remember those words that Jesus had spoken to them because this empowerment of the Holy Spirit was such a big, a big deal. Jesus had prepared them. Another thing that Jesus said to the disciples before he rose from the dead, in John 14, 26, he said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Can you imagine if you walked with Jesus, if you were one of his disciples and walked with him for over three years, at the end of the time that you spent with Jesus, you're probably thinking, how are we going to remember all this stuff? Don't you know it was, it was such a, 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 a powerful thing, a comforting thing for Jesus, your leader, to say, you know, there's going to be another helper like me, another counselor, another advocate, another standby, another... 
When he comes, he's going to remind you of everything that I said. They're remembering this as they're waiting for the promise of power. Does anybody in here need power this morning? We all need power. My question has been, and listen, I've been, I've been a believer now for 44 years. My question for 44 years is where is the power in the church? Most of the people haven't, haven't even made the trip to the upper room. Now, now, I'm not saying that we should go to Jerusalem and hang out in a little room. It happened that way one time. And we've been receiving the power every since, but not a whole lot of people are tapping into the power. But it's available to every believer. Every believer. If we focus on him, we focus on his promise, and then we ask in faith. Because we have the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to send the helper. The, the Father will send him in my, my name. He will teach you all things. And then another scripture that Jesus told his disciples was, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So Jesus, by leaving, duplicated himself, but released power into his church. And we have the scripture in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. And so if you need power and we come together, this is why life groups are so important. You can, you can have a terrible day at work, fussing and fighting with all your coworkers, then fighting traffic for 45 minutes to an hour and a half to get to the small group. But when you walk in the door, and, and let me tell you, it's not the brownies, it's not the coffee, it's not the dips and the chips and the taquitos <laughs> that, that fires you up. Now, we eat snacks because we just, everybody loves to eat. But it's the fellowship of believers that says, hey, you know, I'm here for you. I had a bad day too, but now that we're here together and iron sharpening iron and we're about to study about the word of God, listen, we're going we're gonna to go up a level. We're going to leave, we're going to leave our cares behind and we're going to edify one another to build up the body so that we can go back out and do what God designed us to do. That is the power of coming together. But we have to focus on him. We have to focus on his promises. And then we have to ask in faith. You ever been to a group where they said, well, you know, okay, uh, now it's prayer time. And so anybody got an pr uh, unspoken prayer request? How do you answer an unspoken prayer request? Well, Lord, uh, I would speak this, but I... I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't, I don't know how <laughs> unspoken. 
the reason that the Lord, the Lord gave us a mouth is so we could speak. And when we ask, we ask in faith. And sure, there are certain times where we shouldn't share things, and I'm not demeaning that at all. But when we're together, we pray. And if you're going through a tough time, you need to be together to pray because power is released when we pray and believe God together. There's times where I need somebody to believe with me. There's times where you need somebody to believe with you. But when we come together, there's a power that's made available that's not there when we're separated. Can you see that? I wish I had time to go all through the book of Acts and how how many times they came together and there were specific things that were done when they were together that did not happen at any other time. I'm going to bring out a couple of points here as we go down. There's five points that I want to take us through right now about this power of unity. The power of unity brings, uh, number one, the first point is change. It brings change. We need to be changed. If, if, you've, if you've ever made this statement, I know that I need to change. Let me tell you, the, o- the only power to change comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about lasting change. You can make, you can make a change for a couple of weeks in, in the right direction, but to have a lasting change that is effective in your life, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can see, now, again, I wish I had time to go to all these scriptures, but you have to go back and, and, and capture the video and, and study this out yourself. Peter, who was afraid of a young girl... Days before, when Jesus was brought to trial, Peter, who was confronted, are you one that followed Jesus, said, no, I I didn't. Denied Christ three times. That same fearful Peter, a few days later, after he's been in the upper room and empowered with the Holy Spirit, stands up and says, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. The Holy Spirit is being poured out on the sons and daughters. Peter preached to thousands when a week ago he was as scared of of a young girl. (laughs) So we need change. Peter needed change. All of us need change. So we need the power that comes through unity. And when I'm in unity and accountability and and I go to my life group and say, hey, I'm really dealing with this problem, you know, I keep finding myself in, the, in front of the refrigerator and there's this chocolate pie. <laughs> and it keeps calling my name and I eat it and I need some power to change. <laughs> or whatever, whatever you need to change in your life. I keep having these thoughts and I, I just don't know. I, 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 please pray for me. There's power made available in agreement. Matthew 18 says, where two of you agree. The power to change comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to operate in us and through us when we're unified. And that change begins to happen in us. And I challenge you to to be accountable. If you're in a, a mentoring relationship, if you're in a life group, be accountable to one another. Watch how God changes you. Mark it down. Put a date on it. Give, give yourself some goals. 
Watch how the power of God will change you. Number two, power and unity brings healing. Healing. If you've ever said, I need to be healed. The next time you go to your life group or at the end of the service here, we, we have people come and, and pray. There will be people up here praying. But that agreement is so important because power is made available through unity to heal. James says, if there's any sick among you, right, let them pray. Pray. So when there's power, if we pray for one another, we are healed. I've prayed for some, someone to be healed, and I was healed in the process. So there's, there's hardly any boundaries with that. The, the Lord just wants us to pray, and he wants us to be healed. And if we'll just obey, if you need healing, I'll pray for you because I need healing too. And so when I'm praying for you, that power, again, that's made available through unity affects us both. And we need healing, not just physical healing, but there's, there's so many people that need healing in their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions today. There are so many guys, listen, what, what, where we're coming from. In this day that we're living in, there's so many powerful, mind-altering drugs that people get hooked on these things that quick. And they're thinking things and doing things that they never would have ever thought that they would have ever done. And so they need healing. And maybe you don't see what they're going through. But for someone to say, you know, I just, just pray for me because I need healing. I'm dealing with some thoughts. I'm dealing with some things that I, I, I can't even sort out right now. But I need healing. If there's ever a day that we need to exercise the power of God for healing people in their soul, mind, will, and emotions, it's today. I'm not talking about spooky, kooky stuff either. I'm talking about, hey, we don't need to know the whole story here. We don't need to name every demon. Let's pray. Amen. Right? There was only one time where Jesus named the demon. But yet everybody wants to research the past and how did it happen? And no. When we say go, we mean go. And Mark 16 says, when you lay hands on the sick, they recover. You can cast out devils because of the power. Again, back to the power. Back to the power. The power in unity gives glory to God. Think about the man at the gate. Beautiful. Peter and John didn't have the power before the upper room. But when they came together in unity, they were filled with power. Now they're walking up to the gate. Beautiful. And they see the man that's crippled from birth. They looked over to him. He looked over to them. They said, silver and gold, we, we don't have. But what we do have in the name of Jesus, stand up. The power in the name of Jesus that came through unity. The third thing that, that, that comes through this that unified power is love. The love of God begins to invade us when we're together and unified. If anybody's dealing with a difficult person, like I said before, maybe your coworker is, is vehemently against you. They know that you're a Christian and they don't like you and they're looking to get you fired. We're finding more and more... Um, uh, 
I'm looking for a word, <laughs> not violence in the workplace, but, but, but anger, toxicity in the workplace. It's toxic. And if, you, if they find out that you're a Christian, then they're going to put a target on you. But the answer is not to retaliate. Jesus never retaliated. The love of God that comes through the unity that we have. When they were persecuted in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John healed the man at the gate, and they came back to their own company or their own team, they didn't get upset and they didn't call down fire like Peter was trying to call down fire. You know, when he told Jesus, just let's just call down fire and burn them all up. Jesus said, you don't recognize what spirit you're from. Here's what they said. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so their prayer was, uh, Lord, you see our enemy. We just ask you to wipe them out. No. The love of God from the power of God that comes through unity softens our hearts to move towards people with compassion. You know, the number one prayer that Jesus prayed for his, his church, his body, of believers is so that we would love one another like the Father loved us so the world would know that Jesus was sent from the Father. And so when we come together and we experience the power of God in unity, it fills us and floods us with the love of God which the world needs to see and wants to see. They want to see the church walking in the love the fourth thing that this power from unity brings is stability. If you've ever said, sometimes I just want to quit, then you're, you're like 99.9% of us. <laughs> I've never met anyone that hadn't said at one time or another, you know, I just, I just need a break. I want to quit. You know, I don't want to get up on the horse today. <laughs> don't want to go into work today. If you've ever dealt with that Temptation to quit. Power of unity brings stability. Power of unity brings stability. To hold on and keep going. Hold on and keep going. So Peter was in jail at one point. You remember? He was in jail. The church came together to pray. They didn't come together to make signs and picket and go down to the jail and say, you know, <laughs> social justice. Peter is unjust. He, he was put in here for, you know, he shouldn't have been put in here. He was unjustly prisoned. They prayed. Power was made available through prayer that supernaturally broke open the jail Nobody could have ever done that. It was such a demonstration. But again, this power of unity produced stability in the life of Peter and the church. Because don't you know their faith was increased 
as the power of God began to operate in the church. So this power that comes from unity produces stability. When you come into a, a small group situation and they're praying for you, you know that they're praying for you. So throughout the week, there's texts coming from this person and that person. Hey, how's it going? Praying for you. There's stability. There's, there's, there is power made available through the body of Christ together to help you hold on and keep going. And then the final thing that, that I believe the Lord brings through this power of unity is finish, finishing power. The power to finish some encouragement. If you've ever said this, I need some cheer. I, I need somebody to cheer me on. I just need some encouragement. It's right here in the Word. In Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul was headed to the finish line. The Holy Spirit had, had spoken to him and told him, you've got to go to Rome. And so he was headed to Rome. But it wasn't an easy trip, was it? He was on a ship that wrecked. They almost lost their life. He's there by the fire. A snake bit him on the hand. He shook it off. Paul wasn't having a good time going to Rome. And I think Paul needed a little bit of encouragement. How about you? And so Acts chapter 28, as he got closer and closer to Rome, closer and closer to the finish line, this pow the power of unity in the body of Christ... Acts 28, 15 says, The brothers from there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. And when he saw them, he being Paul, when Paul saw these brothers that came to meet him, he thanked God and took courage. How could Paul take courage from these guys meeting with him unless... Unless they brought him courage. They brought him courage. They didn't bring him, oh, Paul, we feel so sorry for you. You're just, you're, you're going to be beheaded and they're just really going to beat you up in Rome. No, they brought encouragement to finish the race. We all need to complete what God began in us. We need each other. Life is better together when we do life together, when we're in constant contact with each other. There's a, there's a power that's released by God through the body of Christ to help us to complete our course. Does anybody need cheering on today? Let me tell you. Let me take one minute and tell you you can do it. God doesn't make junk. He makes the best, and he made you. He wants you to finish what he started in you. And he's given us each other, the body of Christ, to cheer each other on, to encourage one another. So when you pat someone on the back and you say, man, I've been praying for you. But first you need to pray for them, right? First they need to be on your heart. Encourage them. Say, wow, you, you know, I was looking so forward to seeing you today. When can we get together and go have coffee? What, what do you need? Do you need? I'm ready to pray for you. Is there anything specific that you need me to pray for? 
I'm here to cheer you on, to cheer you up. I believe, I believe in you. You know, if you said that to certain people, it would, it would cause a breakthrough in their life. Words that are spoken by the authority and the power of God to one another in the body of Christ can, can mean the difference in life and death. Your encouragement from some, uh, encouraging someone can make the difference in life and death. Life and death. We all need to be encouraged. We all need to be cheered on to the finish line. The Holy Spirit power that operates when we get together encourages me to go all the way. Every, Every meeting that I've been to as a Christian for 44 years, after that meeting, I just feel like I'm invigorated. Right? It's not the personalities of the people that are in the room, guys. It is the personality of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, listen, I've lived, I've lived in Oklahoma. Some great people in Oklahoma. I've lived in Rome, Italy. Great people in Rome, Italy. I'll never forget the time that I was down in Guatemala, and I was in a, a, a meeting, and the power of the Lord was moving in this meeting. And I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I could understand the power that I was feeling. The excitement and the energy that I was receiving. And I thought, wow, this is great. Because the power of the Holy Spirit transcends every nation, transcends every language, every age, every age. We all need encouragement. We all need stability. We all need love and healing. And we all need to change. That's why the Lord brought us together. So that we can cheer each other on. Encourage one another. And experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to stand right before we, before we leave. If you need the power of God in your life and you are not born again which means you've never said yes to Jesus or began to follow him we say if you're a follower of Christ and you begin to follow him you believe in your heart that Christ uh, died on the cross he rose from the dead he seated at the right hand of God then you're a believer But there's a difference in a believer and a disciple. A believer believes, and a disciple is one who's taught, that is following Christ on a daily basis in fellowship with the body of Christ. So I encourage you, if if you've just begun to, to believe that Jesus is Lord, get connected with the body. Jesus puts us in connection with one another. Form relationships and accountability. Pray together, read the word together, strengthen one another. That's what we're called to do. I'm not here on this earth for myself. I don't wait for people to strengthen me. I'm constantly pushing myself, reaching out. When you say, well, you're a pastor, you're supposed to do that. No, as a believer, as a disciple of Christ, I'm called to encourage and strengthen. When I, there's, there's a great thing what Pastor Shield was saying earlier about giving and receiving. When I give encouragement... 
I'm always encouraged. The Lord encourages me. When David couldn't find anybody else to encourage, he encouraged himself in the Lord. <laughs> there's, there's, there's giving and receiving. But that power works in us. So we release that power. So, if you need to make that decision to follow Jesus this morning. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.